This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and with Josh Lajani of bigchangeprogram.com. Before we get to today's show, you have just a couple more days if you'd like to download the Sometimes Say Never report. That's a report that tells you all about how to find peace with food by figuring out whether particular foods should go on your never list or whether they can be occasional treats. And you can find that at plantyourself.com never. And that goes away back into the archives. It vanishes at the end of February 2017. Okay, let's talk about today's show. So at age 55, my guest, Paul Chatlin, was a few minutes away from surgery on a 100% blockage in his right coronary artery when his cardiologist asked him out of the blue, would you consider a nutritional change instead of bypass surgery? <laughs> Turns out the cardiologist mentor was a dude named Caldwell Esselstyn, which is the only way this story makes any sense in our universe. So Paul was tired of his severe angina, terrified of the life that followed bypass surgery because he saw his father and three uncles undergo that. And in agony from the elephant sitting on his chest at that moment, he agreed. He said, I'll do anything. He left the hospital at three in the morning. At eight o'clock, his phone was ringing. This is Caldwell Esselstyn. I want you to read my book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, and I'll call you again in two days. Caldwell Esselstyn is a very persuasive person, and Paul has been whole food plant-based ever since. So two months of bed rest, during which time he devoured every plant-based book, documentary, YouTube video he could get his hands on. He was a terrible cook, so he learned how to cook with Ann Esselstyn, and he got better, much better. So much better that he made a promise to himself and to the world, I will take the rest of my life and make a difference. And he wasn't sure how, but he was going to do it. And his mission clarified after his $700 receipt for the cooking class that he took with Ann Esselstyn was rejected for reimbursal by Blue Cross Blue Shield. So this same insurance company that was ready to fork over grand for bypass surgery wouldn't consider paying, well, let's get on my calculator, one 186th of that amount on a life skill that could prevent heart disease before it even started. Well, their hands were tied, they explained to him. You'll have to take that up with the state legislature. And this, he decided, was his calling, to change the culture, to shift the conversation from medical management to disease to true prevention and healing. So before tackling the political machine, Paul needed allies. He needed to know he wasn't all alone, that he wasn't the only plant-based person in the entire Detroit region. He took out a $25 ad in a local paper saying he had lost 50 pounds, got off all his meds, dropped his cholesterol, never felt better. Who else wants to know what I've learned in the past four months? So 20 people responded. Paul was up and running. Fast forward a few years. Paul founded and runs the world's largest plant-based community, 3,200 members strong in counting. He and his staff and volunteers have utterly transformed the culinary landscape around Detroit and are now taking on the entrenched behemoth that is medical education. So I met Paul in July 2016 when he invited me to speak to his plant-based nutrition support group, PBNSG, and they got me onto a live morning TV show. Luckily, I'd brought a clean shirt. They put me up in a very classy hotel. They shuttled me everywhere I needed to go. They served me dinner at Dr. Joel Kahn's Green Space Cafe. 
and they managed to pack an auditorium with several hundred people to hear me talk about how to change bad habits. So Paul is very impressive. He's a leader, he's a thinker, he's a doer, and I'm delighted to bring you the conversation we had. So without further ado, Paul Chaplin, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, Howard. Don't take this the wrong way, <laughs> but when I sometimes I'll go you know, to my office to do a recording and to interview someone and my wife and my kids will say, so who are you interviewing this, this time? And I'll say, oh, somebody who, you know, turned their life around, got their health back, lost weight on a plant-based diet. And they roll their eyes and they go, oh God, that again. And I've got to say, like, I feel the same way a little bit. It's, it's so weird. Like, you know, how many people do you and I know for whom this is the story? And yet I keep having to remember that nobody else knows this stuff. So I just want to preface it by saying, like, like, you know, I, I don't want to forget, like, how miraculous and amazing and courageous um, those of us who have been on this journey are. And so I, I kind of want to welcome you with, the, with that in mind. Well, thank you again. And, um, you know, I, I, it, it's, a, it's a growing group. Uh, more and more people are uh, putting their feet in the water and their toes and kind of tasting it and testing it and they're plant curious and you know and when they become plant strong the plant perfect somewhere in that area all of a sudden they start feeling wonderful and great and they don't need their doctors as much and you know they they're not sick and that story by itself is is worth talking about but it's some of us out there that are trying to do just a little more to help a lot more right and that's you know that's that's what I see as the crux of, of your story. But let's let's start with the uh, with the tried and true. T tell me about your you know your your journeys to health, where you were, and how you discovered plant based nutrition, and what happened. Okay, well, you know my my story could start at the age of about fifty five when I actually started having severe angina. But really, as I reflect back, it started as a young boy. Uh, when I was in my, uh, I think it was in my early teens, maybe you know, 13, 14 years old. Um, my, uh, we had a very close knit family. It was my dad, three brothers, and in about a two or three year period, all four of the people I loved the most had to have bypass surgery, and this is in the 70s. And two of them never made it. One of them uh, was never the same. And my father got a quadruple bypass. Uh, he made it, but I never, it was the first time I ever saw him cry, and he cried for three days. Mm -hmm. So now I fast forward to the age of 50, where I announced to my family, uh, I'm the kind of the patriot of my entire family. I've got three sons myself. And I announced that I'm giving up uh, meat. Uh, I did that at 50 years old. I'm going to have fish. And I'm going to give up all the oils, and I'm going to have olive oil, because that's the best oil at that time. And I'm going to give up whole milk for half percent. So I was realizing that I needed to make some changes because of what happened in my past. But little did I know that all those changes really were even hurting me more than it was helping me. And here I am now at 55 years old. I wake up one day and I really do feel that elephant on the chest. And I'm a stubborn guy. So I sat there and said, you know, I'll figure this one out. So I didn't say anything. And of course, every day it'd be a little worse or just as bad. And I got to a point where I just didn't want to wake up because my chest was hurting so badly. And finally, I went over to the doctor and he did a check and found that I had a heart murmur that I had not had before. And with that, he took me right over to the uh, cardiology department in the hospital. And we did a series of tests up to the heart catheter 
and heart biopsy. And the cardiologist that I was assigned was suggesting a few things. One was I had a blocked artery. The other one was I may need heart replacement because it wasn't just that, you know, I had heart issues. I also had an enlarged heart, a left bundle block. I had leaky valves. I was really uh, a mess. And um, at that time, I realized I needed to get my wife's involvement. And after she kind of clubbed me on the head for not sharing it with her, I just didn't want to worry her. Hmm. Uh, she, she, uh, I told her about it at work and her boss came up and it was interesting. Her boss about two years prior had a lung replacement at the Cleveland clinic. So once she shared the story, he actually made a few calls and I was able to get an appointment within about a three week period. So to me, that was kind of like a miracle because, you know, as you may know, you just can't call up the Cleveland clinic and say, Hey, I want to stop by for an appointment. It doesn't work that way. So three weeks later, I'm going in, and they end up assigning me to a cardiologist, and it just happened to be his mentor was Caldwell Esselstyn. So in essence, that was my second miracle. So here I am. I'm on the gurney. I'm being tested for the heart catheter. And sure enough, they find 100% block on the right artery, too, at 65%. And, you know, you're, you're, I'm kind of in that la-la land where it's like, you know, I'm kind of out of it, but I, I can hear them talking, and they're deciding, you know, do we – get him into bypass surgery or what do we do? And he looks at me and says, would you consider a nutrition change instead of bypass surgery? And I'm like, I'll do anything. Again, I have three sons and I remember my dad and his brothers. So I realized someone has to make this stand and I thought I could do it. So immediately I said, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And he dials up the phone and sure enough, it's nine 30 at night. I won't forget a miserable day. And, uh, I think it was in January-ish time frame, and uh, all of a sudden I hear him talking to Caldwell Esselstyn, and he hands me the phone, and Dr. Esselstyn says, Paul, why don't you just go on home, and I'll talk to you in the morning. Uh, well, by the time we got, <laughs> it was just that simple. Did you, so, did you know who he was yeah. at that point? I, I Howard, I, I had never heard of plant-based nutrition, whole food plant-based, uh, 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 Caldwell Esselstyn or T. Colin Campbell. I had no idea any of these people even existed. But because I so badly wanted to stop this train wreck of heart disease, I took a leap of faith and I went home. My wife and I, we drove home, got home about three in the morning. And sure enough, eight o'clock sharp, Dr. Esselstyn's calling me and he says, uh, I want you to read this book. And you know, the book, how to Pre reverse and present, prevent heart disease. And he says, I'll call you in two days. It has to be done read by then. He's, uh, he's, he's a taskmaster. <laughs> so two days, um, I read it. And uh, sure enough, he called. And uh, we spoke for about two hours. And after that call, I took everything out of my house, gave it away to charity. And I have been whole food, plant-based, perfect ever since. And, you know, when you're on a gurney and you're worried about having a major operation, you know, I'm certain that people make promises, you know. Well, my promise was I, I said, I will make a difference. I'm not sure what it will be, but if you get me out of this mess, I will make a difference. So um, it took me, you know, once I made the switch to whole food plant-based, I still had some health issues. So literally they had me in bed rest for about two, three months to shrink the heart so the valves would not work as hard. And during that time, I learned a little bit about cooking and uh, whole food plant-based, but I was a pretty bad cook. So I decided to go to Cleveland and spend a half day with the Esselstyns learning how to cook in one of their classes. And I took the receipt and I submitted it to Blue Cross Blue Shield and I got rejected. 
And I thought, oh my goodness, this is my calling. This is, this is it right here. So I started uh, trying to find out why it wasn't accepted. I mean, think about it. Bypass surgery today, triple bypass is what I would have had, would cost somewhere between $125,000 to $130,000. And all I wanted them to do is give me the skills to teach myself whole food plant-based, huh. and the class might cost seven, $800, and I was being rejected. So I went to the highest level over a three-month period, and at the end they said, you have to work with the legislature because we can't make the changes ourselves. And I realized, you know, maybe that's a little bit too lofty for me taking on the Michigan legislature. Mm-hmm. So instead I thought, well, maybe what I'll do, because, you know, in the three to four months of period of time since I first spoke with Dr. Esselstyn, I really felt as though there was just, I was the only person on earth who was whole food plant-based. I mean, when I would talk to people, they had no idea. They looked at me kind of funny. So I thought, you know what? I can't be the only person. So I decided to put a $25 ad in the local paper. And I said, you know, I am a heart disease patient. And if anybody's interested in whole food plant-based, here's what I've learned in four months. Number one is I, my cholesterol was 350 and today it's at 127. I weighed 200 and really 26 pounds. And I was at that point probably around 165, 170. Uh, I said, I'm off all my meds except for 20 milligrams of Crestor. I've never felt better, no surgery. And I said, I want to help you transition to whole food plant-based. And if you're interested, let me know. Within about two days, I got 20 calls and emails. And I stopped right there and I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start doing transition classes so people can understand the benefits of it and how to prepare themselves because it really is a lifestyle change. I mean, you know, when you go from like me, a true meat eater eating dairy and oils to fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains, you know, that's a big change. But then the world around you is not prepared for it. So going to restaurants and, you know, just going out with family, you know, you really have to prepare and you have to be prepared to just be hungry once in a while. Right. So, so let me let me let, tw- let, yeah. pa- let me pause there because there's a lot of things I want to ask you about um, around that that transition. First one, I'm, I'm unclear. You said that your there were four bypass surgeries when you were young. Was that, was that your dad and your three brothers? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was my dad and his three brothers. His three brothers. I see. Okay, I missed that. Uh, so we had a, a a big family history of severe coronary heart disease. Right. So it's, I mean, it sounds like, like you're, you're, you're being wheeled on this journey and, and some part of, of your ego, your, that's trying to protect you from looking stupid or, or, you know, has just sort of dissolved. Like, like, did it feel earlier? Like you were, um, you know, resistant because you kind of, you kind of knew what to do and like you had ideas. Uh, you know what? I, I, had, I mean, truly, I had no idea about anything with whole food plant-based. I literally thought, and they told me I had a blocked artery. You know, when, when, they, when they get you ready for heart catheter and heart biopsy, they literally prep you for bypass surgery. So I was prepped. And my thought was, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had an um, operation. I've only had one other one. But you kind of just, you know, get your body ready, saying, hey, just well, this is going to be an operation. They're going to knock me out. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be in a lot of pain, but I'm going to get through it. Just wake up. So these are the things that was going on in my head. And then it was stopped when the doctor said, would you consider a nutrition change? Right. So I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. So you have, 
from childhood, you know that heart disease is like a normal part of life, or at least a normal part of your family's life. What, what made you be able to say, I can do something about this? You know, so at 50, you, you made some superficial changes that seemed reasonable based on like, you know, art, I don't know, articles in Parade magazine or something. But like, what made you think like, this is something that I can take on and, and defeat when someone else could look at the same evidence and say, oh, well, this is just how it goes. Um, can I, can I, I'm going to say this. I, I, I got lucky that my cardiologist knew something about whole food plant-based, and I thought he was a gentleman. I, you know, I, believe it or not, I had just met him like that day. So hmm. I didn't even have a history with him, but I had a good feeling about him. And you know, he said the magic words, which was, hey, uh, you don't have to have bypass if you're willing to try something else. And how I just took the leap of faith. I had no, you know, basis for doing it other than it sure sounded better than triple bypass surgery. Uh-huh. I just got I got a chill when you said that, because like now listening to you now, it's, it's kind of obvious the power that this cardiologist had, even without relationship, even without any sort of external credibility with you. It's like, you know what, when when doctors embrace this, man, it's so much easier for them to do good than it is for people like you and me. Like when they, when they are, because they have that white coat effect and because they're touching people in times of, of such vulnerability that for a doctor to no, that, that, say that to you, it's huge. That is, you know, as, as I'm hoping that we'll bring up these two items, which is, you know, I'll talk to you a little bit about our medical course material. And then I haven't yet shared with you our initiative at PBNSG for this year, which is doctors teaching doctors, because what you just said is exactly uh, the driving force of PBNSG in 2017, which is I just never realized, uh, and, and in fact, the way you just sculpted it out was, well, was perfect, was, you know, we are, I don't want to say sheep, but they are the sheep herders. We go to them for our health. And we always go, and we go to them a lot of times when we're in such great need and we give all our faith and our trust to them. And it's their job to take care of us and to protect us, just look through the Hippocratic oath. And the fact is, is that if all they're doing and, you know, is giving pills and procedures and not even considering the nutrition uh, before pills and procedures, I think that's uh, a broken system. Mm. Okay. So... You got a call from Esselstyn, 8 a.m., read this book in two days. Then he called back. What did he do? What, like, what was his magic? Is, is, it, is it bottleable or replicable, in your opinion, or is, is he just like one for the ages? Well, I think, I think the, the issue is, and this is just for me, it, it wasn't, he could have spent two hours at length talking about the science and and. To me, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not sure I would have understood all the things he may have said. But what got to me was simply that it was an option to not have triple bypass surgery. It was an option to stop the years and years. And this is generations, really. It wasn't just my dad and his brothers, but it was his father that had heart disease. It was his father's father that had it. So to me, it was just a matter of I would do anything to not have this bypass, and I needed to show my sons that if you eat a better diet, this con- does not have to continue. So it could have been, you know, I, I made a comment the other day, Howard, to uh, one of our members, 
And I said, you know, had I met Dean Ornish, for example, when I was in my dire need uh, on that gurney, and if it was him who called me, I might have been uh, somebody who might have a little bit of a little fish or a non-dairy something. But it was Dr. Esselstyn, Carl Esselstyn, and I know, and people know how rigid he is with whole food plant-based. I think the results, and I'm not a doctor, but might have been just the same. I think through Dean Ornish, clearly I would have been, over time, just incredibly healthy like I feel today. But it was Dr. Esselstyn was the one I spoke to. So I don't think there was anything magical other than if you give this a try, your angina will stop in about three weeks. Check mark, it did. If you try this longer, you will drop your numbers. Check, it did. I went from 347 down to 127. You will lose weight and sustain it. That's been done. And what he did tell me was how great I feel every day. And, you know, I'm, I'm now, you know, 59 years old and I feel wonderful. So why would I not want to continue it? Because I say to people, I'd rather be healthy than full. And that's how I live my life. It's funny because I hear a lot of doctors say, yeah, you know, I know a little bit about this. I read the China study. I saw forks over knives, but my patients aren't going to go for it. They're not going to listen to me. And the way you described your conversation with Dr. Esselstyn, it's almost like you're crawling through the desert and he's trying to get you to drink a glass of water. Like it doesn't take the, the you know, Rasputin-like skills of mesmerization to get people to be compliant when you're giving them this option to get their lives back. Well, you said it right, which is if we could, like, and I, and I mentioned this, that our initiative last year was we you know, it, it really stems back from when I first started the plant-based nutrition support group, I called upon 150 doctors in my community and said, would you either join me or would you like to learn from another doctor about the benefits of plant-based nutrition? I got one reply and that was a no. And I realized, I said, I'm done. I'm not going to keep trying to work with these doctors who have no interest in every, you know, not everyone, but most of them said, we didn't learn it in school, and we're just not interested. And so I thought, okay, we've got to change that. So we spent all of 2016 working with 12 medical students, and we created a medical course material that has now been, we presented it in November to Wayne State Medical School. And what we did is a little bit different than people think. When you send a curriculum to a university, they vet it out. It could take two to three years. I talked to University of Michigan and Michigan State and Wayne State about how long it takes, and they said it could take two to three years, a brand-new curriculum change. We don't have that kind of time. People need change now. So what we came up with was maybe six to eight items that professors could add to the nine systems of the body in their current curriculum and their current form. Wayne State loved it. They asked us to give it to them, which we have. They have dispersed it across their professors in each of the systems. And right now, the directors are starting to review it, starting to use some of it. And the hope here is that maybe in September, they will vote on it. And if they do vote on it and want it part of their curriculum, then we have an opportunity to market it with them globally and with their name, and, and we'll just give it to them. I, I, I mean, that's our plan. That's my plan. It's just give it to Wayne State, let them market it with us. And hopefully all future doctors, first and second year students across the world will learn about the benefits of nutrition. 
but it's not enough. You know, what I also realize is the excuse of I didn't learn it in school has to stop. So in our last meeting, I introduced our initiative for 2017, and that is Doctors Teaching Doctors. We have two wonderful plant-based doctors that volunteered to help teach other doctors about nutrition here in Michigan. And I empowered all of our members, and we'll do it through social media, and I'm doing it with you today, to say if you know any of your doctors who would like to learn about nutrition and the benefits of it, give me an email at paul at pbnsg.org, and we'll put them on a list, and we'll invite them to learn sometime April, May, uh, an hour or so about nutrition. So we'll see how that, you know, what happens. But, you know, I, I, I just think it, it's time that we have the doctors invest in us, the patients. I mean, haven't we not given them all the trust? And what does it say that here in Michigan, we have over 3,200 members. People say that's wonderful. It makes me actually quite sad because that just tells me there's a lot of people looking for hope and health, and they can't get it with their doctors. So your comment was perfect, which is if we could convince the doctors through science, and we have the science, about the benefits of it, and if they just share it with their patients as the first wave of defense before pills and procedures, I mean, thank God we have pills, and thank God we have some procedures, but by not sharing a nutritional option first, I think that is just so wrong. And where it all started, just you'll almost find it comical, was I took my dog in to the veterinarian. My dog's getting kind of old, and my vet asked me every time, what do I feed my dog? <laughs> and I realized my, my doctors never once asked me about that, not one time. So if we get doctors to start saying, what do you eat? And they find out that the person eats fried food or a lot of dairy, and they just say, you know what, if you can, you know, here's some suggestions, or join Join the support group, PBNSG. We have transition classes, and we have small groups, and we have speakers who talk about education all the time. We will help the whole state, if we can, in learning about it. But it starts with the doctors, and it starts with the young doctors and the current doctors. Of course, the, the difference is that the vet is not going to feel threatened by your answer, but a doctor might, right? If you're eating better than your doctor... And you know, we all know a lot of doctors who are not exactly the paragons of health. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that because I've, we just launched it. We got, I've got two doctors who called me this uh, yesterday, in fact. And I said to them, they said, well, I'm interested, I'm in. I said, well, if you really want to get to be that plant-based doctors, I'm going to ask you to read at least two books on the subject and go plant perfect for 30 days. And I want you tested before and after. Because if I can't, I, I can't have you being morbidly obese telling a patient what they should do. I need you to see the results, be able to promote the results, and live with the results. And if you choose after 30 days to go a different direction, fine. But I think after 30 days, you'll be pretty impressed and pretty wowed by the results. So you know, we're just not going to let any doctor become a whole food plant-based doctor. They're going to have to do a little work. Hmm. Wow. It's <laughs> a physician heal thyself seems... Uh pretty arcane and uh, in, in our modern world that uh, that we expect them to be role models and not just pill pushers. Well, just remember, you know, I keep, I keep on responding back to the doctors and I said, you know, you did sign a Hippocratic oath. And I remember one line that I just can, it resonates with me, which is I will prevent disease whenever I can for prevention is preferable to cure. Mm. Well, I guess, I guess that's, means that you gave your word as a doctor, wh where did you lose that? 
Right. That reminds you me. Know, you know, yeah, go ahead. Think, think about, I'm sorry. Let me just say this. Maybe the doctors have just experienced so much pain and suffering around them that they haven't experienced a lot of great successes where patients come in and thank them for saving their lives. So maybe if we could get them used to saving people instead of just keeping them barely alive, maybe they'll be that doctor that we, they should be. Right. I was going to say, what you just said reminds me of, I'm reading a book on negotiation theory that talks about, it's uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, and he talks about the kinds of leverage we have over people, where there's positive leverage, where we can give them or withhold things they want, negative leverage, where we can withhold or cause pain, and he says the most powerful is normative leverage, where you, you, you remind the person of, of who they are and their values and show them the, the way to act in accordance with their values, which, which sounds exactly like what you're doing with the doctor, reminding them of why they went into medicine in the first place. Well, but, but you and I know that doctors are a little bit different. I mean, truly, you know, they're so gifted. I mean, they go to school for so long. You know, they, they are, they, they, you know, they have some gifts and some talents that, you know, I'm so jealous of. I really, I really am. I mean, they're so brilliant, most of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, the population goes to them for help. And if they're missing one key element, then they're not truly doing what I think is in the best interest. And, you know, I, I kind of think sometimes that, uh, you know, someone has to push back a little bit. So I'm really hoping that our membership, and I know they will, will go to their doctors and say, hey, listen, you know, just how about a little investment in, in knowledge because I've invested in you. Like, I've been to my doctor for 30 years. I can't tell you how much money he's received from me, you know. So I'm hoping that they will uh, consider uh, learning a little bit about it. And if they do, think about the world we live in. I mean, if, if we could have more people eating the whole food plant-based, who are the beneficiaries? Not only are it humans, but but animals and the environment. So because we're so, we're kind of a selfish being, but by just default, if we can get more people to eat this way, we have a chance of saving the planet. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but just can you imagine if billions of people started making a change for all the right reasons, they enjoyed their health more than being full, and all of a sudden they don't need as much bloodlust for animals, and as a result, we don't have to put as much bad things in the ground. So, you know, I know it's, I'm a dreamer, I always have been, but that's, you know, that's the reason why I get up every day. So let's let's go back to fill in the gap, because we've been talking about some some pretty impressive pieces of your agenda right now, but we, we kind of um, paused at $25 ad in the paper, 20 responses. So how, okay. how did that turn into PBNSG, the largest plant-based support group, in I think, in the world? Yeah, it really is. I, I'm still just shocked by it. But, but what happened was, so, so we had 20 people at the house. I started realizing, you know what, maybe, maybe I need to touch more people. Maybe that's just not enough. Wait, so, wait, wait. So you had, you had the 20 people at the house? or, or and Yeah, I, I invited 20 people I've never met in my life. And they how did that go? Like, I've, I've invited people to my house, and it kind of went badly, and, like, no one can. I said, okay, well, that was, a, you know, an, an ill-conceived idea. Like, what happened at that first meeting that, that led you to think you're on the right trail? Well, because I would say of the 20 people who showed up, 16 were not in the best of health. I mean, they could have been morbidly obese. They had a you know, high diabetes A1C number. They, they had heart disease, and they either were going to have a stent, 
or bypass, or you know, they were trying not to have it, but they weren't feeling it. So these are people who I touched that really needed some immediate uh, help. And it, it was such, I mean, I almost had to like say, okay, everybody, it's a two hour meeting. Now we're at the three and a half hour meeting and I'm getting a little tired, you know, but literally come into my house and I showed them everything I have in my kitchen, everything I have, all the food I you know, had. And I explained exactly what I do every day and I showed them cookbooks and you know, like you could almost feel this emotional tear from everyone saying, thank you. This is, you know, I, and also some of these people felt exactly the way I felt, which is I'm all alone. So the combination of both, you know, the perfect storm happened and they came back saying how much they appreciated it. And when I left, when they left, I was like, well, I think I need to do a little bit more because it was such an emotional evening. And um, so the next step is, is I called the heads of, the cardiology at the three biggest hospitals in Michigan. And I asked them if they would give me a name, three names of cardiologists who might believe in some holistic cardiology. And each one gave me three names and one name was consistent. And that was Dr. Joel Kahn. So I figured, well, I'll call and talk to him first. And I did. And I never met Joel in my life uh, until that day. And we met, we talked and he was inspiring. And I, to this day, I, I'm, still in awe of him being summa cum laude of his U of M medical school. Joel's a very brilliant person. And he also has a strong personality and believes in a lot of things I believe in. And I said, let's you and I have a meeting. We'll open it up. He was able to get us into Beaumont hospital. And uh, we had a meeting with thought we 30, 40, 50 people at up. We had 123. So it was a great meeting. Uh, it was new. We scheduled another one, same similar uh, meeting. The following month, thought there'd be a little drop off. Now we had 147 people, and uh, we thought, "Wow, this is growing." We scheduled a third meeting, and about three days before the meeting, uh, Beaumont uh, let us know that they would not—they did not want us back. Well, we—you we, could imagine why. Uh, part of it had to do with standard American diet of the hospital, and. Uh, you know, I, I guess we were uh, some type of competition to them. So I had to go find a place, and I found the, the Birmingham Schools District. They opened up their hearts and their homes to us. And we started having our meetings each month, and it kept growing and growing and growing. And as it grew, and it really the tipping point might have been when we invited Rip Esselstyn to come, because up to that point, we were just talking to local doctors. Mm. And uh, here we are today. It's, we're going to be celebrating our third year anniversary in February of asked Rip to come back. Not perfect timing for his new book, but really I just wanted him to come back because he was really our first uh, celebrity of sorts. And we just passed 3,200 members. We're up to 18 small groups. We're going to have transition classes, both basic and advanced, uh, 12, uh, once a month uh, for the basic, uh, every quarter for the advanced. And uh, we are starting to get more connections with the schools. We we do talks at the university medical schools, both Wayne State, U of M, and Michigan State. And, uh, you know, we, we, people are hearing about us. And the reason why they're hearing is that we're starting to have a lot of successes with health. Well, and, and well, one of the other reasons, you know, when I was up there, I was struck by how many people are doing the work. So this is like you got really good at not, not delegating, but inspiring other people to become leaders. Like you're, you're sort of the leader, but there's, everybody's a leader that I met there. How did you do that? Well, that's, well, I, you know what, Howard, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 
my background, I, I never ran a big organization. I was a sales guy who got saved by a miracle. That's all. I just wanted to give back. So I have no basic experience. But I was lucky enough to have some great volunteers. And this organization is a you know, 501c3 organization, and it's 100% run on volunteers. And I, you know what? I, I, you know, I, I've got really good hosts. These are 18 hosts around the city. We just expanded into Saginaw, Michigan, and in Traverse City, Michigan. So we're spreading out throughout the state. And you know, these are people who believe in the mission of whole food plant-based and the benefits of it. And they call and they say they want to host a meeting, and we kind of give them all the information they need. And I try, along with our director Shannon Fiddle, try to go to the first few meetings to try and hold their hand, help them along. Um, but we, you know, we've also got about 30 volunteers who really believe in this and, and uh, have, have seen the benefits. I mean, Howard, I, I can tell you right now, when I first started the first year, we might have had five or six people who could do a, a story about you know, the changes that they made. Today, I can tell you, I probably have 50 people. And when you look at these people, and you, I met them three years ago, and I look at them today, I mean, they've lost the weight. Their numbers are great. They feel good. But when you have that kind of life-changing experience, they're like me, a lot of them. They just want to give back. Because, mm. yeah, one thing I was wondering is, like, how do you get people to stay interested in kind of this esoteric version of nutrition? Like, yeah, I can see someone going to a class or a lecture or, or you know, being interested for a few weeks, but you have members coming back, you know, month after month for years what is it that drives people once they've sort of gotten the hang of the diet? Like you can't, you know, you can't like get excited about kale forever. Like what, what, what are the higher levels of engagement that you see? Well, I, I think that, you know, it's become kind of a cool community thing. So, I mean, it, it has not hurt to bring in some of the greatest speakers in the world to talk to our organization you being one, but we've also been blessed by having T. Colin Campbell, Neil Bernard, Michael Greger, Dr. Esselstyn, uh, Pam Popper. We, you know, we had Rich Roll this year. Uh, we're going to have uh, quite a few new guests as well. So it, it hasn't hurt that we've had a really good lineup of, of, of people, number one. Number two is one thing I realized was as a family, because I have three sons, we like to go out to dinner and literally just I stopped going out. So the first job I did is, is personally, I started calling on like 10 to 12 restaurants around my community, talked to the owners, explained that I didn't want them to have to shop and buy new ingredients. But if, they, if I looked at the menu and I sh showed them the ingredients, I made some suggestions on how to uh, put something together so I could eat and then bring my family, it became a win-win for the community. And today we've got 21 restaurants throughout our, you know, three or four communities that have whole food plant-based options on their menu. So that was, that was a good thing. That was a really good thing. Uh, another thing is, Howard, is it, you know, when you have, when, just as I took a leap of faith, other people have also. But when they've taken it, if you're reinforced by a positive end solution, which has happened, then you feel a little indebted and you want to give back. And that's what I talk about. I said, you know, you know, my membership, I would say maybe 60, 70% is probably 55 and older. And I always tell people, I said, at what point do you give back in this world? Do you, do you give back when you win the lottery? Do you give back when you have a life change that, you know, you change your health or you get saved by somebody? 
I mean, at some point, it's important to give back. And maybe that has kind of resonated a little bit with the membership. Because like I said, I, I, to think that we have over 3,200 members in three years, it's, it's dumbfounding to me. I just, I still cannot believe it. Mm. I love that idea about, you know, that the key is giving back. And I think that's going to end up being the, you know, the, the title of the, of the blog post for this interview. Because in so many ways, you look at the world, you know, especially like today, you know, January 19th, 2017, and you, you see the, the issues and the problems and the powers that are driving those problems. It's easy to think, well, there's nothing I can do. And, and yet you have found a lever that is incredibly powerful and can, can be pushed by anyone in any circumstance. Well, you know, I, I like it. And to that end, you know, I, I want to also add to you that one thing we did last year is I recognized that, you know, that you could duplicate what I did. And, you know, I have always said to people, I'm really not the smartest person in the world. I, I'll work as hard as anybody, but I'm not necessarily the smartest. But one thing I did is in the first year and a half, two years, I would write a diary, a little, you know, a couple paragraphs about anything that I did along the way. Cause I realized that if this ever were to be successful, I want to make it do, I want people to duplicate it around the world that they wanted to. And this past year, you and I have spoken about this. We finished how to start a plant-based nutrition support group. And um, I think it's the most comprehensive uh, manual or information piece on everything you could imagine and everything I went through to get this organization where it is right now. And, you know, it's going to be on our website right now. If people want to reach out to me at paul at pbnsg.org, we can arrange a way of getting that information out to people. But I think that that's something that could be mimicked in every major city, and I think that's where it needs to start. It doesn't, and I got to also say, I'm really proud of the fact that it didn't start in California. It didn't start in Florida or New York or Chicago or Philadelphia. It started here in Michigan, in Detroit. And, you know, Detroit's claim is, is that if it wasn't for the Deep South, we'd be the fattest city, the fattest state in the nation. So why not change people here? We could use it. And I have the document open in front of me, at least the uh, the one you sent me from, from early July. Um, you know, it's, it is comprehensive. I was going to ask whether this is av- you know, going to be available or whether, because, you, you know, you could sell this for, for a lot of money, too. It's, it's 116,000 uh, words. Um, you know, it's, it's almost a, a full-length book, and it's got action steps every step of the way. Um, how, how did, you know, so this is more than your diary. This, is, this looks like a lot of people's work in, in really um, thinking this through and, and operationalizing. How, how did that come about? Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty blessed. You know, I, I met a lady, and uh, her name's Stephanie Vail, and it turns out that, uh, you, know, she, you know, she had just retired, she wanted to give something back. She kind of went to RIP's, the meeting for RIP uh, a couple years ago. And she was, you know, a volunteer, but she wasn't really doing as much. And then one day I said, you know, I want to start developing these notes that I have. And I would not like to know if anybody would help. Well, I saw a big Cheshire grin and she's like, I think I could do this. So we literally met for like, like three hours every week for 
almost, you know, I don't know, almost a year. And we would just take it section by section. And it turned out she had a real skill set by putting, you know, with the ability of putting all my notes together and then having it all make sense. And uh, like I said, we collaborated together. So it was really just the two of us putting it together. I did have a little bit of extra help in a couple other areas. Um, we had some help from Debbie, uh, Debbie Jones and Denise Clink Paltrow, and they, one is our health education person in our organization. The other one, Denise, she runs the culinary, she's a culinary curator. And Howard, if you and the audience get a chance, go to pbnsg.org. And if you want to see some of the most crazy, awesome, whole food, plant-based recipes of chefs that no one's heard of, but they are anywhere from plant strong to plant perfect. We have over 300 recipes with gorgeous pictures. Uh, and it's just, I'm so proud of that section. And then Sherry Orlinkowski, she's got a plant-based small group in Grand Rapids and she does a heck of a great job. She also gave me some assistance early on as well, but really, the majority of that work was done by Stephanie and I, and I'm very blessed. And now we want to try and get that out there to people. And I just, you know, I just haven't figured out how to market it correctly, but I'm hoping in the next few months we're going to have it on the website. So if people want it, I think we're going to, we are going to have to put some little bit of charge on it, but it will be very reasonable, I promise, because, you know, I've never wanted to make a dime on this. I wanted to, you know, save lives. That's all I cared about. Right. Can I ask you about the funding? Because, you know, lots of us have lots of ideas. And, you know, if I won the lottery, I would stop doing a bunch of things in my life and focus on others. Um, you know, is this all you putting all your retirement savings and everything into this? Or is there are there revenue streams? Is there is there grant funding? Like, how do you keep the doors open? Well, I said that we're a volunteer organization. So that's that's number one. But I would say probably about 80%, maybe 70% of the entire funding has been through my retirement fund. And I, I'm proud to say that I'm, I'm in love with my wife of 17 years and she knows how important this was for me. And even though it may force us to work for quite a bit longer, she knows how, how just how important it is for me as a human being to, to be able to give back. And she's seen how successful it's been with me personally. Uh, but we also have received really wonderful, uh, one, one grant, one group. I'm not sure if I could bring up the name, but I have received one grant. But the grant um, has helped us kind of like almost break even. So, so basically, if I didn't have the grant, then things would be a lot tougher. But we are able to uh, kind of you know, we don't we don't really make a lot of money. We don't make any money at any meeting, but as long as we don't lose that much, PBNSG is is doing okay because we we have gotten a little bit of funding from an assortment of members. But really, it's pretty much been on uh, my shoulders. But I am so confident that that will change this year because more people are are calling and more people have interest and more people are being saved. Hmm. Yeah, so I think it's uh, it's crucial that we figure out how to make ourselves sustainable as we as we contribute to the world. Yeah, because if we, you know, unfortunately, if if we can't figure that out, we can't continue. And you know, I've realized that, and I know that I just me personally, I cannot continue funding this. I need help. I don't mind 
you know, I'm an open book. You know, I, I really am. So I'm out there and I'm asking people and your entire audience, please, you know, help me continue this dream. And, and I could use every penny I could get because, um, you know, if I could hire a few more people, some of the major projects that we're working on could move a lot faster and we could offer more to the nation, not just here in Michigan. Right. So ha- has anybody, um, you know, seen the early draft or work with you and started setting up a similar group somewhere else? Well, you know, we've got uh, people in Cincinnati and Louisiana uh, who have called and said, I heard about you and I want to start groups. We, we you know, so I've, I've actually sent out our copy of how to start a plant-based group out to them. You know, you've you got to be a little careful, as you can imagine. I mean, I don't want people calling their group a small group or a plant-based nutrition support group. You know, they can't be PBNSG, but they could certainly call it whatever they want to call it and then understand how to start it how to continue it, what's important, what isn't. Uh, so, I'm, again, I have not started the marketing of it. So at this point, few people have reached out, but I haven't been talking about it too much. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because I, I just don't know how to market it and what's the right way to do it. You know, I, I, I want to monetize it just to bring some revenue in, but I don't want to have anybody spend, let's say, more than $100 of investment money to – bring it in. But I like what you said, which is it could be a book. I kind of think it could be a a Bible for every city that is interested in the United States to purchase and enjoy and learn and and, and develop. And that's a hundred dollars. That's very little compared to three, four hours a day for every week of 2016. Right. And and I'm guessing you have wasted more than a hundred dollars on things that didn't work. Well, that's that's uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> I bet. You know, but but you know what? I, I wake up every day and and truly, I, I think about like, you know, here in Michigan. You know, we 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 you know, Rosa Parks lived here in Michigan in Detroit area, and she has a quote that I just it just it resonates with me, which is, "You must never be fearful about what you are doing when it's right," and I know this is the right message. I don't know why I'm the one you know, uh, trying to lead the charge. But I know this is the right thing. And all I'm saying is that we need to educate the masses and then let them make the choices. But the fact is today, still, there are just so many people who have never heard of whole food plant-based and the benefits. And that's why we're going after the young doctors. And that's why we're going to be having doctors teaching doctors. And uh, that's that's my mission. Right. So let's go, let's come back to the, the Wayne State Initiative. So you you figured out a workaround to spend three years waiting to see if you get approved, but you still got traditional professors of medicine and doctors and clinicians teaching these courses. Are you getting resistance or, or you know, subtle forms of sabotage, or are they embracing it, the people who, who were trained in another way and now have to teach this new stuff? You know what I'm getting It's there's got to be a word between embracing and resistance, okay? Because what I get from, and again, we've given it to the one person who's in charge of all of the directors. I believe there's nine of them. Now all nine have had a chance to look at the medical course material. And we've gotten responses from four of them. And each one is similar, which is, I like it. I think you're on the right path. I don't think this is the only diet that we could talk about. I think we need to talk about other diets. 
which I kind of scoff at because, you know, I mean, we could spend all day saying the virtues of the Mediterranean diet. We know why it was successful, why, you know, you know, despite the oil, you know, eating all the vegetables and fruits, stuff like that was just going to make people healthier. But I always say, let's start with the ultimate, I don't want to say diet, but, you know, whatever you want to call it. Let's talk about the top of the food chain, which is whole food, plant-based, fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains. And then let's work our way down, but let's teach people to rise to the as high as they can. So I'm getting, I'm getting some pushback. I'm getting some acceptance. Somewhere in the middle, each one of them says, we do believe it has its place in medical school with future doctors. And then there's always a but. So it's just trying to get beyond that. And it is, it is very political. It, it is going to be time-consuming. And it's going to take a very strong person to say, you know what, it's the right thing to do. And again, we're not telling you that every doctor has to be whole food plant-based. What we're suggesting is just teach the benefits. And the reason why I'm so excited about it is, you know, we do lunch and learns every single month. PBNSG sponsors a lunch and learn at Wayne State Medical School every month. And we do quarterly lunch and learns at either Michigan or uh, you know, Michigan State University. And we've spoken to over 1,300 future doctors so far about the benefits of whole food plant-based. Now, if you just extrapolate that if only a few percentages ever use it in their life, but they share it for 30 years with 20, 30 patients a day, we might be able to tell people that we were able to save billions and billions of lives, not today, but over the next 100 years and beyond, and the benefits to animals and the benefits to the environment will come with it. So, you know, it's not a bad way to live your life knowing that if you get to talk to another future doctor and he's listening, that he could share that with his patients and that you may have saved a future life. Right. I, I was thinking about um, this idea of like, let's teach all the diets or, you know, this is one among many. It'd be like going to archery school and they like teach you to just, you know, Aim, aim the arrow near that bullseye. Like we're not, we're not trying to go for the center. You know, we're just if you hit the bull, if you hit the target at all, that's great. Like that's you know that's what we're aiming for the the edge of the target. You know, that's a, that's a really good one. I mean, you're yeah, absolutely right because I mean, there's there's one bullseye. That's it. You hit the bullseye, you get your points, whatever that is. But if you get on the edge of it, you still get make a lot of points. In other words, there's a lot of pretty decent diets out there, but there's only one whole food plant based. There's only one scientifically proven best diet. This is it. So why would you want to teach anything less than the best? I mean, when, when, when doctors are being taught, do they say, well, listen, this is, this is how you do a stent. But if you're having a, you know, if you, if you, if you come 80%, that's good enough. No. You know what I'm so I, that, that's kind of my retort back to them, which is, okay, so you want to have a spectrum of diets to show people that isn't there just like one way to do, you know, a transplant? Isn't there just one way to do it? I go through a list, and they don't say a whole lot from there. But they, they just, like I said, the, the answer from the doctors is always encouragement, but some reservation, which is about what would, you and I would probably expect anyway. Right. So when I was a guest, I was really impressed with the first half hour, um, which was before I went to speak. And I, and I was trying to deconstruct it a little bit in my mind, like what – what you were doing, there was, you know, several different audiences there, right? They're the people who come every month, the people who they bring, you know, maybe kicking and screaming a little bit, spouses and children. 
And then there's like, you know, uh, completely confused newcomers who don't know what the hell is going on. Like, how do you think about structuring those meetings to be most effective for all those audiences? Because by the time I spoke, by the time I spoke, they were very receptive. And it wasn't it wasn't me doing it. No one they had never heard of me. It was what you guys did for the half hour before. Tell me how you think about that. Well, that's that's a great question. And you know, it's it's interesting. You know, just when I think, hey, I figured this thing out a little bit, I learned something. So, like this past month, we finally we instituted a new members table. And I always I, I said to the mem- new members, when you, we're done after our Q and A is done. I said, I'm going to st- I'll stay here for as long as I need to stay here to welcome you as a new member. So, um, you know, what we do is, uh, and it changes, you know, depending on the speaker and the timing of things. But historically, you know, when we bring the person or the speaker in, you know, we, we, we do a podcast a couple weeks prior. We put it on our, our mediums, whatever they may be, on website, Facebook, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we have Jeremy, who uh, works for PBNSG, does a nice job interviewing. And we ask a lot of questions. So our membership, you know, and, and by the way, you know, like, I don't know how it works in the world of Facebook or website lookup stuff, but we have a very loyal membership. So when we say, hey, we got a big announcement, or hey, we just uh, put our new podcast on, people, they, they want to meet you. They want to know who you are. Yeah, people didn't know who Howard Jacobson was, but by the time you got there, they knew who Howard was. Now, they didn't know what you were really going to talk about. We didn't get into that at any depth. But, you know, like I said, there was a connection. And, and part of it was your ability to give a great talk. But um, so, so we, we do a podcast, and then we start giving reminders. You know, we, we'll do a once or twice a week reminder, and we'll do a little snip of, of what the possible talk will be about. And um, uh, beyond that, we make sure to have, uh, when we can, a, a community dinner. Uh, so what we're doing this year is, you know, we, we work out of the high school. So, you know, we, they have a cafeteria. So our new thing now is instead of trying to go to a restaurant and then driving across town to the venue, we're now having some of our chefs prepare food, whole food plant-based, of course, at the cafeteria. And we just have a dinner from like 4 o'clock till 5.30. And then people could take their time and then walk their way across the school so they don't have to worry about driving and, you know, rushing to the meeting. And we're starting to get like, you know, 100 and 150 people at our dinners. So, you know, we're changing. We're evolving. But, uh, you know, we, we encourage anybody who comes to talk, they could bring their books or CDs. And we have volunteers who will help sell the books and help, you know, you know do whatever that the speaker wants. The, the key here for me has always been any speaker who comes into town to see PBNSG, we will we will get them here. We will take perfect care of them. We will drive them, feed them. We want the experience to be one that they say, I want to come back. And if, if they say, because it was, you know, when you and I met, I think my last words were, hey, can I invite you back? And you're like, yeah, sure. Well, that's what we want. And that's what we've gotten from every speaker. Now, I don't expect to invite people every single year because there's, you know, we have 12 meetings, 12 to 15 a year. But at least you could look back and say, you know what, they took perfect care of me from the moment I landed. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, and it goes, yeah. it goes to a level of, of detail about everything. It's, you know, the, the, like it's a very well-conceived, well-thought-out operation. So let, let, me, let me tell you what I saw 
in the meetings. It, it, it reminded me a little bit of what I imagine happens at like, you know, old time tent revival meetings where you know, you're, you're getting the energy up. You're getting people to be a little bit infectious about their enthusiasm. It started out with, there was a party at first. There was, there was music and somebody led these really fun exercises. You had a couple people come up and tell their stories, um, you know, basically how they were saved by plant-based nutrition. Then you had a talk by Dr. Khan, in this case, a little bit of the science. So there's like you're appealing to people's need for, for social proof, for people's need for connection to other people, for feeling good, to, to appeal to their, you know, their left brains and their rational minds. And it was, it was something where you, you felt like after half an hour that this is what normal is and everything outside of this is somehow missing out. That's, that was the sense that I got of the one meeting that I attended. You know, you just perfectly described exactly the format the way it should be, which is, you know, it, it isn't, I don't want to say it's a revival, but it kind of is because, I mean, let's face it, people are at the very least, you know, I don't, you know, if they're kicking and screaming coming in, then I probably have very little chance of, of, of making a difference. But I would like to, and I think that helped change is that, you know, we've, we've cut back instead of having multiple speakers, we really have one main speaker. And then, you know, I'll do the introduction, kind of tell people, you know, what's coming up in the next few months and uh, what's on my mind, which I'm doing a little bit more these days. I was always reluctant, but I've been encouraged to kind of speak my piece and uh, it's worked out good and tell a few jokes and that's always kind of fun. Um, and then, you know, we do an activity of some kind, you know, be it a 10-minute workout or, you know, stand up, move around, and then we get ready for the speaker. But what happens is that after the speaker is, is done, something amazing happened about a year and a half ago or so, which is we started doing Q&A and no one left the room. All of a sudden, we were, you know, we have the room from 6.30 to 8.30. We're actually like running till 9 o'clock and beyond. It was like people are showing up because they're just not healthy or they're just not satisfied or they're looking for an alternative other than pills and procedures. They're coming here for hope. And sometimes... They just, they want to learn about this. Maybe they have, you know, here's one other thing, Howard, that's interesting. Wherever I go, I ask this question to the groups. And, you know, I was just at you know, Michigan State University. We were talking in front of oh, a first-year nutrition class. I think they had 800 people. So I asked everybody, please raise your hand if you or anybody you know has heart disease, is a diabetic, or is obese. Everyone raised their hand. Every kid in school, raise their hand. Mm. Well, what does that tell you? That just tells you this is an ap epidemic and that people are looking for answers. And I think that that's the thing that PBNSG does is we're an educational organization that might give people a new ray of, of hope. And I think that's, that's it right there. And that's what it will continue. Um, I certainly want to do other things, but I won't ever forget of, you know, the importance of a meeting bringing in experts to talk and to educate everyone I can. That's beautiful. So before, before we started recording, you mentioned a, uh, a dream of yours, which was to have a, uh, a, a summit in which we, in the community, can develop and refine a single voice. Can you talk more about that, what you mean? Well, I've, I've had truly the, the honor of meeting just so many great people. And 
you know, there's a lot of different personalities with each and every one of them. But at the core, they all believe in whole food plant-based. Now, some might be far to the right, some may be a little bit more to the left, but the one thing they have in common is they want to heal people. They want to help people. Again, some of them want to do this as they're living and they want to make a big living. And some people just want to do it because they want to give back. But all of them want to heal and help people. And what I've noticed is, is you know, we're up against some of the greatest companies, not greatest in, in what they do, but the strength. I mean, the meat industry, the dairy industry. I mean, there's a Paul Chatlin of a whole food plant-based group. He has no chance against any of them. Hmm. But we have a little bit of a chance if everyone put aside their differences and we decided, and I'd be willing to offer up my time to do it, to contact every name that's ever been a name that people listen to, to try and have some type of collective get-together of some sort, somewhere, somehow. And we all just say, when you enter the room, put away your negativity, put away that you may not like this person for whatever the reason, let's just architect some responses to the future. So if the next time it's announced that meat is a tier one carcinogen, by the way, I didn't know that uh, that meat is equal to plutonium. I mean, like, are you kidding me? It's, it's, that's, that's the same way. So here was our opportunity to, to really get on the offense. Not that we're offensive people, but just to say something and to stay with it for a while, because it was an educational moment that we lost. We didn't say anything, you know, just, we, we reacted a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, and then the might of the meat industry downplayed it like it wasn't that important. And the dairy industry is no different. So that's what I see has to happen. And if people can't set aside their differences, then, um, you know, it's going to take forever to make a world of difference. And a person like myself doesn't have a world of time. Because hmm. I remember when, when those... World Health Organization stuff came out, one of the things that happened was a lot of vegans ran with it and and kind of misused the science a little bit and really, you know, hyperinflated it and did all the same things that we accuse, you know, drug companies to be doing, of focusing on relative risk, of, you know, making comparisons that weren't strictly speaking scientifically or mathematically justified. And then there was a backlash from the plant-based, evidence-based community, that that's not helpful. And then there was a fight, you know, and, and then we got into this, like, internal fight. And we, we took our eye off the wall while then the meat industry and the corporations they control, you know, turned it into just, just another day at the office, and we all forgot about it. Right, and, and, and that's where I make the distinction. You know, we are not a vegan organization, okay? Now, now remember, I had a chance... Two years ago, you know, we, we were just, when we first started, we were only about heart disease. That was it. And then I started thinking, you know what, if whole food plant-based could help heart disease, what else can it help? Well, I found out it could help diabetics. It could help obesity. We could go on and talk about a little bit of the help it may do for cancers, but that's kind of a subject I, I don't touch. So at the same time, I was being courted by, you know, some animal rights organization, environmentalists, and they wanted me to expand in that area. And I just said, you know what, it's, it's too volatile, and I think it might turn some people off. So I'm going to just say, let's work on w what the strength is as a whole food plant-based. 
which is diabetes and obesity. And that's what we launched. We launched that, that side. So I make a distinction and I say to people, I love animals and I, and I worry about the environment. I really do. But at the core, we are a whole food plant-based organization. We are not a vegan organization. So I'm not looking for the vegan people to partner with. I'm looking for a Michael Greger. I'm looking for a Joel Furman. I'm looking for a Caldwell Esther. I'm looking for a T. Colin Campbell. I go down that list. You know, Darth Davis. We could continue on. The list is getting pretty long. But at the end of the day, you know, we all have to get together, have one common voice, and be prepared to explain it based on the science when the opportunity calls for, and not engage any other group other than the issue that would be before us. And we have to do that soon. And like I said, I, I, I'm not going to spend, I don't mind saying it, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life trying to convince people to work together. They have to realize the importance of working together. Beautiful. And, uh, and, and clearly, clearly it's working. Take, you know, kind of taking these stands, um, saying, you know, this, these are the coalitions we're trying to build because they're strategic. You know, one, one of the books I've really been enjoying lately is uh, by Adam Grant called Originals. And he's got a whole chapter on how people, you know, creative, original thinking people can, can screw up change by the way they choose their coalition partners. And I don't know, I don't know if you've read it, or, but you're, you know, you could have written it. Um, I think it's, it's quite, quite brilliant the way you're, you're navigating forward. While while acknowledging that all, you know, that everyone on our side of the fence has important concerns. Well, I I, I hope someday I have that time to read books. Uh, that you know, the cooking and the reading of the books went away when we probably passed uh, 2,500 members. It's I mean, you know, you could imagine. I mean, there isn't a day that goes by where 20, 30 emails come to me and they'll say, "What about this, Paul?" Or you know, "What about you know, whatever the questions are." And, then we go to Facebook and there's questions, and then we get the the PBNSG hotline and there's questions. And you know, my thing is always, I, I never want to be too busy where I can't respond back because if someone's calling me, they, they need an answer and they need help. And just the other day, I got a call from England, and the lady was saying, "Hey, I saw your your you know your information on the web, and and you sound just like my dad, and I love my dad. Can you can we talk?" And I spent an hour and a half on the phone with the entire family out of England. And, and I think this is how it has to be. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I will never be full of myself, trust me, because, you know, I just have to remember what it felt like being on that gurney at that moment, and I will never forget it. Right. It sounds like also, you know, the, in the same way that your diet, your, your life improved when you learned how to say no to certain foods, that being an effective leader means being able to take in these 25, 30 uh, conversations a day and being able to say no to a lot of things too, so that you can focus on what's important. Well, it's, it's, that's, you know what, I, I said I wasn't perfect and that's part of the problem because <laughs> I have a tough time saying no. And, and so, you know, to, to tell you that I put in, you know, 60 to 80 hours every week for the last three years would be absolutely accurate. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've done it. I, I'm thank God I'm whole food plant-based because I got the energy to do it, but I'm also a little bit older and, you know, there are times where I, I feel tired, but I, I try to work out for an hour and a half every single day, and I, I mission accomplished in this past year. And, you know, I'm just, uh, I like working. You know, it's, it, it, like I said, it feels awful good when 
somebody you never met said, "Hey, I, I tried your thing and it, and it helped save my life." Beautiful. Well, Paul, I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so inspired by by everything you're doing and everything you're inspiring the people around you to do. And uh, you know, I can't, I can't wait to see what 2017 brings for PVNSG and for and for you and for for our planet. So thanks again for taking the time on the Plant Yourself podcast. Well, thank you, Howard, so much. And if there's anything I could do to to help, assist, you, you know where to find me. And uh, you humbled me. I appreciate it. Really good interview. Thank you. All right. Be well, Paul. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. For more information about the Big Change Program, led by me and Josh Lajani, visit bigchangeprogram.com. And be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 199. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 198 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not the Big Change Bulldog, my weekly email newsletter, and it actually has been weekly for a few weeks now. I wrote an article this past week on the what the heaven effect, the opposite of what Dan Ariely calls the what the hell effect. And so you can get the Bulldog delivered automatically to your inbox when you download the Sometimes Say Never report at plantyourself.com slash never. Big thanks to the Plant Yourself podcast patrons, Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Teen Ahern, Jen Fulkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis rhymes with Kirkus, Kelly Kemmert. Oh, Sarah doesn't rhyme with Kirkus, she rhymes with circus. Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, and new to the show, Jeanette Benham, who wanted to see if I could add just another name and try to do it all in one breath. Thank you all for your generous support of the podcast. And thanks also to Will Ridenauer, the talented Cora player who allows me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. So if you'd like to support the show, you can share this and other episodes on social media, email, tattoos. You can write a review on iTunes. Got a couple of new ones this week. Jen Bertotti writes, my fave, my favorite podcast, exclamation point, exclamation point. I love Howard's soothing tone. Let me try that again. I love Howard's soothing tone. And authentic curiosity and kind nature. Great interviews. Thank you so much, Jen Bertotti. And uh, Claire A.M. Adams from the United Kingdom writes, I can't get enough of these podcasts. She writes, articulate, intelligent, relevant, humble. I just have to walk to work so I can squeeze more and more of Howard's podcasts in. I listen to other podcasts too, but Plant Yourself podcasts are streets ahead, in my opinion. Saying thank you just doesn't seem enough. Streets ahead, I've never heard that before, but I love it. In garden news, I've been a bit of a lazy bum this week, but my wife Mia has been out there. She plowed a bunch of new beds for potatoes and went back out into the back meadow and plowed, and we're planting a whole bunch of clover in the hopes that we can have happier bees this year than we have had in the past. In running news, last Tuesday I ran out two miles and then had to limp back. I had a bone problem or something in my left foot just below the, the, the pinky toe, and I was really discouraged. I thought this was going to stop me from, from certainly from marathoning because it was hurting after two miles. I couldn't imagine what it would do after 26. But I called my friend Tom 
Delonzo Baker, the founder, creator of the Total Motion Release System of Physical Therapy. And he so kindly took me through an hour via video chat. And he recorded it, so I don't know if you'll get to see it, but he took me through a very, very cool process whereby at the end I had no pain whatsoever. I went running the next day, and in about an hour I'm going to go out for about a seven or eight mile run, and I think I'm back on track. So if you are curious, if you have any sort of injury or predisposition to injury, definitely check out totalmotionrelease.com. You can click and find a uh, practitioner near you. I can't recommend this stuff highly enough. That's it for this week. So as always, be well, my friend.